Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, and welcome to the pod where we chat, argue, and wax poetic about the movies that we love, hate, or that are simply worth talking about. All movies have something to say, and we enjoy trying to analyze what they capture. Welcome to the chatter after. I am Brandon Alvarado, the Scrawly fan here, and I am joined by the amazing Chatter After crew, Mike Thomas, the Nova Cinephile. What's up, guys? The great emblemaniac, Isaac Wolf. Always look on the bright side of life. And we appreciate our man, Big Cliff. What's up, bro? Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thank you. Like, I truly appreciate this. Like, I'm so ready to talk about this movie. Like, my... Goodness. Uh, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, welcome to the Shatter After. We're going to talk. We talk movies. We talk what they love, what we hate, what inspires us, what makes us scream, what the, and also what makes us ins- inspire us to talk about great things. And today we are talking about the 2022 Indian Telugu language epic action film and juggernaut known as Rise. What is it? Roar, rise, revolt, <laughs> rise, roar, revolt, or in simple terms, RRR. This epic action drama film is directed by S. A. Rajamouli. It was it was written by V. Vijayendra Pasad. Yeah, I'm doing this, and stars the phenomenal and interestingly well physiqued and well versed and well danced Urse, <laughs> Ram Sharan and N. T. Ramarao Jr. This movie's crazy. This movie's amazing. Props for usual, attempting all of the names, bro. I just want to give you a round of applause. It's, it's <laughs> what I do. Um, as long as we don't do that weird dance battle with the right leg, we're good. Because I would st- I would fall down real quick. Um, but we're going to talk about RRR. This awesome movie exploded in onto Netflix earlier this year. Uh, it may bank. It's considered now one of the highest grossing Indian films ever it's considered the most expensive indian film ever and it shows because it doesn't matter if you understand what goes on in this film it doesn't matter if you understand the drama it doesn't matter if you think it's just a prolonged mtv music video like the old days what matters is that it's amazing all the hard work all the money the budget was right and it shows it was great and we're going to talk about RRR. I don't think we're going to talk three hours about a three-hour movie. But we are hey. going to talk a good chunk in this newest take of The Shadow After. So let's go around and give our initial thoughts on the movie. And then we'll start breaking a couple of scenes, a couple of thoughts, and discuss it. Let's start with our guest, Mr. Cliff. Tell me, you said you were stoked about talking about RRR. Why is that? Holy cow, this movie is such a blast like like many of us i saw this on netflix at first when it like first dropped and this is actually great timing because i saw this movie literally in theaters last night it was literally perfect so i saw it in like how it was meant to be seen and it's even better my goodness the crowd experience the sound design acting performance like this movie is just spectacular best movie of the year for me still I haven't seen any other film better than it. And mind you, when I first watched this, I saw Top Gun like literally six hours before he watching did. it. <laughs> Top Gun was literally my favorite movie of the year. But then six hours later, it's like, 
Nope. I remember that. That was that was so funny because he was just like Top Gun movie of the year, and like a couple hours later, he's just like, "I take that back, y'all." <laughs> Truly, I was take, it, on, no. take that, small reacher. <laughs> literally. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love this movie. There's so many things to talk about. Uh, we'll get into that. But yeah, it's a great film, five out of five for me. I hope this movie gets recognition throughout the award season. Probably not, but. Hey, I hope it just I hope something like just comes from this for these for the director, the entire cast, everybody. It's phenomenal. Isaac Wolf, the man from the Swedes, talk to us. What did you think about Rise Roar Revolt? For record, for people that doesn't follow the art amateur talk of pub. Well, uh, what I'm mostly watching is uh, Japanese cinema and uh, anime, so this is praise when it comes from me. This is uh, arguably one of the best anime ad- uh, live-action anime movies slash Dynasty Warriors adaptation I- I've seen in a long time. That's amazing. That's well, one way I to put it. <laughs> Oh, so, man. so in other words, while you were watching this film, you were looking for the Koei Tecmo logo somewhere. <laughs> I mean, have you played a Dynasty Warrior game? The uh, no, I agree. Of... I agree. I agree. Raju was Raju slash Ram was definitely channeling his inner Dynasty Warriors, like especially in that first scene where we're introduced to him. It's like, it's funny because all the officers, as they saw him do what he was doing, they were all going like. This guy's like a dynasty warrior. Like, like, like you see it in his face. Like, it, it was, it was all there. But, well done, Isaac. Well done. I'm proud. Yeah, Mike. Nice. Yeah. Initial so, thoughts on RRR. Yeah. Um, RRR is one of those movies where I wish I could have seen this in the theater because I know it was playing in a theater near me, and that's what makes it hurt even more. Because once I learned about the movie, I'm like, cool, I'm gonna go this weekend, and it was taken out the theater. Ah. And immediately put to Netflix. So I still watched it that weekend, but I couldn't go to the theater to see it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a visceral experience, right? It's its the reason I love movies. Because somebody just had a vision and said, I'm going to make the wildest, most dramatic, heartfelt, funny, musical of all time. <laughs> and they they just didn't hold back. There was no studio mandates. There was no, you know, interference. It was just, hey, we're going to just tell a bonkers balls to the wall story and you have to get into it. And I love how we have been talking for almost 10 minutes and nobody has even attempted to tell you the plot of this movie. (laughs) We're talking about how much we like it, how much we love it. But it's like, what is this movie really about? And this the premise is simple. But the content in this movie is so vast mm-hmm. and broad. It's kind of hard to put into words. It's great. You literally just have to tell people, like, just watch it. I can't explain it. Just watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it. it's, it's a little bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's funny you say that because to say that RRR is, an, is a spectacle, an epic, it's, it's, it's kind of like... Um, diminishing what it actually is right because it's 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 the equivalent of a work of art and and what i mean by that is 
as 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 someone that was raised on Western media, let's make that very broad and specific, right? I've never seen anything like it, you know. And, and and sadly, most of the things that I've seen related to this kind of media, it's people making fun of of the whole Bollywood vibe and what they stand for, right? And, and the fact that you could watch this, this is the first movie, the first Hindi film that I've ever seen in my life. I'm not going to lie. First one. I've never been a casual watcher of these kind of films. Um, and, and I don't mean that in, an, in, a, in, a, in a disrespectful way. It's just... It's just again, I was raised in Western media, and the the closest thing that I have that's not Western is pretty much manga, anime, and stuff like that, and some European flicks, very loose here and there. Um, yeah. But I came out a fan. I came out excited to see. Okay, what else have these people had done? Like I was as I was researching the cast and the names. Um, and and clicking on Google Translate to tell me how to pronounce them. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. Um. <laughs> um I, I, I kind of found a couple of other films that they've worked together on and they've been on. And I and I've actually and I figured, you know what? I want to I want to watch more. Um, because this is a genre that I've never really explored and, and enjoyed or, or seen in the past. Um, but I came out a fan and, and it's not even because because it's corny. It's it's the story is overly simplistic. Um it's emotional. Um, but a surface level because of everything that goes on. And it's funny because a lot of the emotion it's it's mixed into the excitement of the spectacle. And and I think that's a very peculiar trait that this film has that that helps drive all those big moments home. Like the idea that a guy is being whipped to death, right? And suddenly, a gust in the wind, and a leaf falls on his face. And then he starts to sing. And it's like, okay, I'm good with this. But the funny thing is that it doesn't exit the narrative. It doesn't exit the character development. And how they find ways to, it's funny, like, there's emotion in the acting, but they see the music as a musical, right? They see the music and those numbers as an extension of that emotional expression as opposed – and it's funny because it doesn't feel like a musical either because right. all the acting is top tier within that genre. You know what I mean? Like not saying that musicals have bad acting, but there's, there's a difference when you see an actual film and you see a musical. There's a degree of – disbelief that's built in and like you don't necessarily take all those characters that seriously or you take the because you're looking to judge the film by its score you're looking to judge the film by the num by the big musical numbers does that make sense like you're trying to grade the film in different aspects and all these things are so perfectly and meticulously intertwined into all the different acts and I love how it has its own identity. Like the style, the style, it bears is on its sleeve. It doesn't hide that it's trying to be something special in particular. And um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's great. Um, was I the only one that was fascinated by the fact that there was a disclaimer at the beginning where it says, hey, guys, no animals were hurt in this film. Every single animal here 
was CG. Like, I kind of, it was awesome. And it was so smart. Because the fact that we get this gleamer like that, which, correct, I'm not trying to assume, but in the little that I know of those cultures, they value animal life. Right. Yeah. So I think that's that's them communicating to their to their culture. Right. Which I think it's brilliant because it shows how 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 much this how how big it is, how big for them it is to hit home. You know what I mean? Like they're not selling out. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're doing what they're doing close to home and all that stuff. But when I see the animals and I see that they're CGI and I see that they're not perfect, it didn't bother me because I was told already that they're not real. Yeah, like when you see him throw a jaguar at a guy, you you, you feel okay because like well, that wasn't a real jaguar. He's good to go. <laughs> right, right, but but also it's like I'm not bothered by the fact that you can tell that it's not real. Yeah, and also when you see like there's a scene there, like the most the I think the only jarring VFX animal wise that I saw was in the battle in the courtyard when they when they go in when they break the governor's party yeah when they storm mm-hmm. yeah there's a deer that looks completely green <laughs> and not in one scene not in two scenes but in like three different edits you can see that he's all green and then he looks perfect and what but it didn't bother me because everything was going on and and like you're in it like it finds a way to just grab you and it's an uh, anime <laughs> I mean, you know, no. Well, well, but here's the thing, though. But this thing, can we say that it's an? I think that's the that's us looking for something to relate it to. No, right? but I'm Probably saying it's this. It's the same idea, yeah. the same concept. Yes, the same. Because, yes. like you said, the the crazy musical numbers, the crazy fights, don't yeah. undermine anything else. You're able to suspend the yeah. disbelief while still being it's, invested. It's a total anime type move. And I mean, yeah. come on, these are two shonen protagonists in this movie, anyway. Yeah. It's so funny because you say anime and then I go back to my ordinary life and I can just see um, I was waiting for the principal to grab the deer and just suplex it. (laughs) That's the beauty of this movie, though, right? It's just like we're thinking that, you know, we're looking at it like, oh, it's an anime. But it's like it's so many things in one that it's hard to put it in a box. Right. You know, how do you do it? It's anime. It's action. It's romance. It's a drama. It's an epic it's a musical. It's so many things that just like, how do you fit this into three hours? Like, it's how much time does it take to do this? Like, it, it baffles my mind every time I think about it. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you say that because this movie does something that's very remarkable: is that they're able to tell multiple stories at the same time develop these characters from point A to point B drastically. Mm-hmm. And the pacing is perfect. How do you do this this multicolored raincoat of things and not feel it drag? Yeah. Because, be, yeah, because you don't, like, for a movie that's three hours long, it doesn't lose you. It doesn't let you go. Like it's, you know what I mean. Like, and it's funny because there's moments like when when they capture Beam, mm-hmm. right? You, like the movie, you feel like okay, they're gonna end the movie, but then you see that there's still like an hour to go, <laughs> and you're like, what are they gonna do to like 
go higher and <laughs> buddy <laughs> like it's it's just great i i my one of my favorite things about this movie right is that you intro you independently introduce these two characters and that you can tell that they're opposing um ideologies already like from the moment you meet them but i love because they're in because they're introduced with the letters yeah and and like it it feels like for some reason i felt that this is indian avatar um, yeah, Raju represents fire, <laughs> Beam represents water, yep. and yep. I love, but my favorite part of all of that is once they try and save the, the kid from the fire and the train, and they, they get that that grip, right? Mm-hmm. 40 minutes into the movie, that's when the title card shows up, and <laughs> you don't even notice. <laughs> and it's just like, game recognizes game, the movie has started, here we go. <laughs> that was... A, that was a preload. Exactly. The movie has now the movie started. We just got you, you know, this is just the introduction. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's just This is that uh, tie-in like, comic you get for free. <laughs> exactly. It's like no, it's so funny because it's like, hey guys, everybody does the movie and then they do the prequel. <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> we're gonna do the prequel, we're gonna do the movie, and then we're gonna do the tie-in. <laughs> like we're gonna right. do everything in one shot. Like it's great. This is essentially like one American trilogy in one movie. Like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like they, we could split this up into three movies. You got three big acts, yeah. Agreed. Literally, like an hour Agreed. and 30 minutes each for each one, maybe, give or take. Yep. No, we just get it all in one, and you're never tired. You're never exhausted. You are constantly in it. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting you put it that way, too, right? Because you could say, oh, it's the classic three-act structure, not really, because each story arc, with enough time, you could have stretched it out to be an hour and a half anyway, and make it its own movie. Like, uh, Beam's mission to save this girl could have just been a movie on its own. Or if you have uh, Raju trying to get weapons back to his people, could have been a movie on its own. But by smashing... It's episodic. Yeah. You, like, and that's the thing, you can really break this up and watch it in chunks... And that's what I initially was going to do because it was three hours long. But then you sit down and the next thing yes. you know, you're like, oh, I'm already two hours into this thing. I might as well just stick it out. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it holds your attention in a way that even Lord of the Rings, I don't think, does. And that's one of my favorite <laughs> movies. But I still end up checking my watch like, when are we going to make it to Mordor? <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's Oh, great. wait, I'm watching the extended edition. We got another 10 hours. Um, <laughs> He's not even so- joking, y'all. No, and, and the funny – I'm glad that you said that because going from going from what you guys are mentioning about the three-act structure or the fact that it's a trilogy in and of itself, like it's a trilogy meshed together, right? Like it's it's meant to be experienced as a one-time experience, but, you can, but you're actually experiencing three big chunks of story intertwined with each other. Um, the fact uh, – bec- Like, the fact that they're able to do that and justify the length by the way they pay off what they set up before. Because talk about a phenomenal way of... A phenomenal talent in screenwriting, directing, and editing. Where every single thing that they set up in the beginning, in the middle, has a very powerful payoff. Because everything has a very powerful payoff. Like, the, my only gripe was, 
how do Beam and Jenny understand each other? Because <laughs> Beam doesn't speak English. But it's okay. They're friends. The because... power of friendship, because it's an anime. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Plot convenience. But I'm not a, I'm not mad about it. No. Because the fact that Beam is able to save Raju and we get the amazing Indian Voltron um, <laughs> being able to escape jail, it, it's like the best thing ever. I love um, how detailed that fight sequence is. Only for, ha- only for him to be able to be completely fine later on in that day. Jumping around, <laughs> shooting arrows. No, 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 no. And the best thing about it is that that particular scene was teased when they were exercising together as friends. Yeah. Because we've seen it before. That's what it is. You just mentioned it. That's how they pay these things off. We don't pay attention to it as the story's happening. Yes. It's like the scene where... Yeah, exactly. It's the scene where um, where uh, Rama is holding the giant uh, limbs full of meat, and you're like, "Why is he carrying this around? Why is he tossing it in the hole?" You're like, "Oh, right. It's for the animals you captured. That makes a lot of sense. It's so like very subtle and just not." In your I didn't face. even like, think okay. about that. You brilliant yeah, bastard. <laughs> but even at the beginning of the movie, when he finishes boxing the tiger, he says, "I'm going like, to need you, my friend." <laughs> And it's just like, yes. okay. Yes. 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 So good. Yes. Bro, it's... There's, uh, everything pays off. Now, the reason this movie works so well... I mean, we've talked about... I mean, I mean, we can't stop... I, mean, I We keep finding reasons why it works so well, right? I mean, guys, it works so well. End of podcast. No. But, <laughs> but like I think and subscribe. one of the most... Yes. <laughs> One of the important things that I think we need to point out, and I say this after watching a horrible Full Metal Alchemist movie, and you're going to understand my point. It's on not fu- yeah, it's not fueled by rage, I promise. Um, but one of the things that, 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 that bothered me of the Full Metal Alchemist movie is that it felt like a bunch of – sometimes it feels like a bunch of cosplayers trying to have fun with characters – as opposed to a cast and crew that takes the story seriously and wants to tell it as it was meant to be told. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All these actors and actresses are having a freaking blast. And they're committing. Like, they're committed to what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's, like, giving it their all physically, mentally, emotionally. Especially those stand scenes. Like, it's, they're, like... Very rough and very, like, powerful movements. Like, like yeah. you don't do all that with a smile on your face unless you're having a freaking good time. You know what I mean? And, like, you can tell that these guys are just having a blast. And you're just invited. Like, hey, guys, we're doing this thing. Come join us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. some of the best movies are like that. And Like, for example, one of the, one of the, one of the films franchise that I can think about that benefits from that kind of people having fun and what they do, I think that's one of the biggest qualities of the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise and why a lot of people gravitate towards those films and what James Gunn has created because these characters are just having a blast. Like, the idea that the first scene that you see is a guy just listening to the music that he enjoys and just having a blast there and suddenly you find out, oh, it's what his mom left him. Oh, his mom died of cancer. Okay, I'm invested now. Like, like, but all of these characters like having fun and they're connected and having fun in space and all that stuff. And it's a joyful ride, but they're all committed to that vision, to that idea and to that enjoyment. 
um, you see this here. Like, it's it's very interesting when you find a casting crew that is having a great time together, and and how that is how that elevates the art that they're creating. It's a passion project, um, we, essentially, right? Yep. <laughs> because, like, yep. I mean, you, you think of some other franchises, right? You think of like the Sony universe outside of Spider-Man. They make those movies out of obligation. If we don't make it, we lose Spider-Man. So sometimes you get a movie like Morbius that feels soulless and pointless because nobody working on it probably really wanted to be there. Whereas this one was full full on passion. Everybody involved was having a blast, like you were saying. And that's kind of the issue sometimes with big Hollywood. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Or maybe specifically just even like Hollywood and specifically American cinema. Because I feel like all of us can probably name like 10 films internationally that have just the that have uh, the same amount of quality as RRR and yeah. everything you guys just mentioned. And and that's a whole nother conversation for later. But I agree 100 percent because like this movie, like everyone's so bored in this movie that even Ray Stevenson is out here doing stunts. Yo, yo like, the fact literally. that this guy from Thor, it's funny. I, I've been seeing this guy having a blast being the dark <laughs> bad guy, right? Like every time he makes this, and it's funny, in every scene he's in, he's giving the same speech. He's just talking about the bullet <laughs> and how they built to the whole bullet thing, right? Like Ray Stevenson is having a freaking blast. Like, like his life is ha- far more terrifying. In this oh movie. yeah, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Wait, why it's did so you funny. Have to whip this out of nowhere? Why? He just handed to the guy. <laughs> but like- then again. The way she dies is so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's, like, there's no moment that's just so satisfying. By the way, like, I love how everything comes full circle at the end. Like, every, like, there's not, like, there's no loose, there's no loose threads. It's, it's just great. Um, I did want to mention one more thing because we're talking about passion projects. We're talking about um, films that either are lackluster and films that, um. We see everybody on board um, and enjoy what they're doing, and you can and it shows and elevates the material. You know what it makes me think? Like one one of the greatest examples in film, um, in terms of that commitment, in terms of that dedication to vision, to make something happen in particular, even if it's not your type of movie. I think that's one of the things that makes a lot of fans and cult classic fans gravitate to Quentin Tarantino films, because. Because I'm everybody sorry. opened up Pandora's box for me. Oh no, it's all good because because every Quentin Tarantino that film that I've seen, apart from being very particular, very specific, mm-hmm. none of them are the same. Everybody is like digging the Quentin Tarantino vibe, and it's a very specific vibe where it's like, hey guys, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do this movie, and everybody's like having fun and enjoyful. And it's enjoy, and there's a there's a sort of enjoyment. Like, it's it's funny because most of their most of his films are like films that tell a story while also criticizing and commenting on the act of making movies at the same time. Like, they're not just stories in and of itself. It's always like a somewhat of a study on the art form, kind of. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes them so interesting. Now, not all. I'm not saying that movies have to be deep because. I mean, we can't say R and R is super deep, 
Hey, but that's not Nacho Nacho is the deepest dance number of all time, bro. <laughs> Yo. Please, the subtle jokes in that scene, like literally my favorite moment is uh when the, the white dude is coming up, what do you know about dancing? And he starts swinging and then they cut to the black dude by the drums. I'm like, thank you. I love I appreciate yeah. this subtle humor. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. This is amazing. He was just like, you I got y'all it. back. I, I get, get it. it. I get you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> we sticking yep. together, bro. No, but I I really want to, because Cliff got really excited when you mentioned Tarantino. So I want to just circle back to hear Cliff's thoughts on that, because I don't want to let that moment go by. (laughs) Yeah, um, so Quentin Tarantino has become one of my favorite directors of all time. Like, literally, my top five uh, films like that I think are just great. It's just Kill Bill Volume 1 and Django Unchained. Because as you said, there's, like, he's critiquing the art and just the you know, just the art of film, but at the same time, you can tell this man has studied. You can tell this man is a true fan. You can tell that, like, a lot of his movies are almost homages to just, you know, classics yes. from back in the day and whatnot. And, and the way he just constructs these films is almost just like, like, it's, it's, it's weird because in almost all of his movies, majority of the characters he writes are all bad guys, but you're still rooting for them by the end of the day. Like, The Bride and Kill Bill, she is a mercenary. You know this. But you're rooting for her to get her revenge because of how she was mistreated and whatnot. And even in, like, Django Unchained, it's like, Django is technically murdering people. By default, he is a criminal. But within context, which is that, which is uh, where I think that's where Quentin Tarantino really, like, does well in his frameworks uh, with films, is that within the context, you're rooting, you're on board, you're... You're rooting for this character. You're expecting this thing to happen, this, et cetera, et cetera. And to bring it back to what you mentioned, um, I, I think it just, think, what was I trying to say? I think it just really works well in just how he really examines film and whatnot, because there's so many little moments that you can pick apart and dissect and analyze. But at the end of the day, the movies are just entertaining. And I think that's what RRR does. Was like we can sit here and dissect every single moment, but at the end of the day, this movie is entertaining, and I think that's what we all want from movies. Like I don't think anyone ever wants a bad film, correct? Whatnot. So that's yeah. I can say more, but that's just like the quick, quick answer to uh, all that. Unless you are uh, in the mood to roast uh, some movie or not, and yes, to go. What's it called? The uh... What's that name of the TV show that just roasted movies all the time? TV show that roasts movies all the and time? It's a, it's, ah, I can't recall it, but yeah, there is one that uh, is just sitting there watching, uh, showing a movie and just doing a roasting commentary. Uh, commentary you mean like oh. uh, Monster <laughs> Science Theater 3000? Yes, thank so, you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see, I guess there's a difference though with that and what Cliff's saying. Like, we're not rooting for anybody to make a bad movie. On the flip side, yeah, like, bad I, movies I'm exist, and we have no problem roasting them. Don't get me wrong, but like right. at the end of the day, that. we, we we're want. That. I'm just. I know you're not saying that. I'm just saying to Cliff's point <laughs> that that's kind of where he was going with. We don't want bad movies, but roasting a bad movie like i'll roast the room all day long it's one of my favorite movies of all time just because of how dumb it is <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I want i like watching um 
What's the movie with, with where um, James Franco plays Tommy Wiseau? The Disaster Artist. Um, yeah. Yes. Like, I love how that comments on the room, commenting on itself and commenting on Tommy Wiseau. And it's like yeah. doing this. It's now, now Inception. Back, yes. Now, staying on this Tarantino vibe, because I think, I think, I think, I think it's a good vibe to be in. Um, I think what makes these, what makes RRR so powerful and such an enjoyable experience, um, especially with so much things going on, because you got to think about it with so many things going on, this could have been a train wreck very quickly. Like there's, there's a level of commitment to the vision that if it wasn't because that commitment to the vision, it would have, it wouldn't have delivered, right? Like there's so many shows and so many movies that a lot of the fans feel, oh, you teased this, but you kind of like held back. And that's why we didn't get the climax or we didn't get um, the delivery that we wanted or, or, or the end game that we wanted, right? Um, but I think it bottoms, it goes to the point where what makes these movies, Tarantino's and RR's are great, is that the characters are so well constructed and very clearly defined. And their wants, Tarantino's example being very simple, both of them being very simple wants, because you gotta think, when you look at all Tarantino's characters, they all have very specific, simple wants. What's complex is how he constructs them. And how he tailors them to the environment of the story. And then in RRR, they're just simple characters, period. But because they're so outlandish and they stick and commit to that outlandish portrayal. Like, like every time we see someone with their shirt off, they're flexing. Like, there's no time that they're not flexing. Yeah, like, it's ridiculous. They're walking around instead of being, they're, like, flexing. Like, every time they run is, like... And like, names just like, popping out sweat it's like yeah yeah it's it, it's awesome and and like for example it's funny that you said the whole thing about terrence i'll be right with you isaac i know you want to talk i just want to finish this topic before, before i lose it um and the, the you mentioned that tarantino does a lot of bad guys right mm-hmm. but it, it's funny that because he presents them just as they are from the very beginning that we meet these characters when we see them doing atrocious things, it doesn't surprise us. Like, he, because he's being honest. He's mm. honest in the presentation of the characters. Like, hey guys, these are hitmen. So if you see blood, if you see brains, if you see people killed, like, like, their day to day. Yeah, exactly. It's like, for example, when we see uh, Bruce Willis ended up, when he kills Vincent Vega in Pulp mm. Fiction. Like spoilers, it makes fiction. perfect. Oh, I mean, 1994. <laughs> um, it's like, <laughs> sorry, right? Spoilers. Um, <laughs> but it's like when Vincent Vega dies, the way he dies is like, is a hitman's life for me, right? Like, it's like you expect these atrocious things to happen, and that's kind of how he gets away with doing mm. these crazy, gory exploration and scenes because he pre- he's very honest in the presentation of the stories that he wants to tell you know what i mean like there's a lot of movies that they try and do gore or they try and do um violence and it feels um what's the word i'm looking for it feels like 
it doesn't feel authentic or just simply feels off-putting, period. Yeah, it's just gratuitous. Because it's gratuitous. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. It just feels gratuitous because there's no justification in the story. But because the character is designed in a way that allows you to accept what's happening. Not because you mm-hmm. want violence, but because you accept what's going on. Um, it works. Same thing with RRR. The fact that we see Dynasty Warriors Raju from the very beginning sets the stage for all the crazy shit that happens throughout the whole movie. Like, the fact that freaking... There's this one scene towards the end where Beam... There's this motorcycle going towards them and he kicks the motorcycle it flips around he grabs it and just throws it to the other side and you're mm-hmm. like like my reaction was what the f- is it- oh my god like like you just go like okay like it doesn't and- bother you like and it's funny because in any other movie you would be like okay this is too fake i can't watch this but no in this film you're like oh crap <laughs> like it's awesome yeah yeah, and just to piggyback real quick off of uh, what Brandon said about um, how uh, Tarantino presents these characters in their honest form, I think the slight difference where RRR does it is, yeah, we're introduced to these two characters, you know, Beam's purpose. He's like, I'm just here to get Ali. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. But we barely learn what Raju's goal is until basically the third act of the movie. Right. And you learn, like, oh, what he's trying to do is actually far more difficult. Yeah, like he's trying to, you know, make change within the system, you know, and it's and like that's a very relatable thing for a lot of people. Like we don't learn that until two hours in. He's just like, oh, he's just the quote unquote, the bullet for the British Empire, British monarchy to get their job done. And it's very fascinating. Yeah, I love how you brought that up, though, right? Because it it adds a layer of complexity because we can talk about how simple the story is or simple how simple these characters are but the entire time you're questioning why raju's like this he's it's like okay you're clearly a good guy based off your interactions with being what what is the point of like we even had the whole bros being bros montage of them just being the manliest dudes on earth (laughs) and it's like okay what's your deal and then they slowly get to that point which i think is a very nuanced story way to tell his story uh because you could have just had that face value right at the beginning but they held on to that card so they can have that moment of heartbreak relief and sh- overall shock <laughs> once you get there which i think is again one of the strengths of the movie it's able to exist in every genre it can be stupid it can be nuanced and you accept everything about it <laughs> It's, it's, it's the key of expert writing, right? Because, because also the other thing that makes it work so well is that when the real the reality of Roger is revealed, it's just a, a, a different version of Beam's want. Yeah. It's just a different proliferation. You know, it's not something entirely foreign. So, and it's funny because... It goes to the idea of how you have the same character develop different ways. And that's what makes it click so well. And, and, and only someone that pays attention to what they're <clears throat> and what they're trying to do um, can do something like this. And that's what the kind of things that I admire when I see films like this. Because the artistry is so apparent and so 
front and center that you can't help but just admire it. You know, like, it's just great. Isaac, you've been wanting to talk for like five hours. <laughs> Sorry, Isaac. <laughs> yeah, we, I, was, I didn't want to say anything because I was like, I know Isaac has a lot to say. <laughs> no, honestly, I lost a bit of a train of thoughts after that one. But in all honesty, oh, that right. For people, I don't know, it's sort of like you talked about how they flexed and all biffy men all that yes, that is sort of like uh, I don't know Mike Cliff you haven't watched uh, Joey's Bizarre Adventure oh my god yeah yes. not yet I've been told multiple times I need to watch this show it's I know like, enough uh, of JoJo's to probably figure out where you're going oh, with it's uh, it's uh, dear, uh, to use an otaku ter- uh, reference in how, how I would argue that they're uh, in sort of like uh, in it reminded me sort of like uh, the broader re- relationships uh, within the Joyo's Bizarre Adventure anime where the beefy men testosterone uh, wanting to do the right thing, but... Uh, it's a hyper-masculine brotherhood, yes. yeah. It's a yeah. hyper-masculine brotherhood uh, with uh, some essence of... Uh, East of the North stars from time to time. Yes, I watched it. Yes, uh, so what? But I have no um, idea what you're talking about. I'm just going to accept it, though. <laughs> it's it's North like this. Yeah, so I, I think, think I, I think I think Isaac. I think a a, a <laughs> more. Um, go ahead. Finish your thought. I'll I'll I'll, I'll assess later. <laughs> but uh, it's it's all a but uh, it's uh, sort of like you. Uh, sp- uh, movie shouldn't work on paper considering how many tones it is very clear they have, but weirdly enough, it is able to do, uh, do so. Uh, and uh, uh, and I do respect for that. Uh, respect it for that because I think you guys were onto something when you talked about Tarantino because it uh, makes or breaks a uh, show, book, movie, you name it, is the character and character interaction. Yes, I'm speaking from a personal perspective. Also, and they fit right into the story and you wanted to follow them right on cue because they give you some such an expression. What were yeah. you going to say, Brandon? No, no, the character is great. It's, it's what drives the film. These characters drive the film. Uh, all I was going to comment is like, if... Um, I know you've seen some of Full Metal, right, Mike? Uh, like five episodes worth. <laughs> okay, that that's fine. I'm not going to spoil anything huge. Um, Cliff, you've seen Full Metal? Oh, I've seen both iterations of the show. Bet. I'm a big fan. Respect. So I think the best, the best uh, description that I can give you is towards the end of Brotherhood. Um, Zig, Izumi's husband, and Louis Armstrong's kind of relationship that's perfect that's like that is that kind of bromance like i respect your strength you're awesome too brothers like it's like it's like that macho energy it's it's just so great yeah but um don't worry no nothing story-wise was spoiled i promise like i'll put it this way 
imagine what uh, Isaac and Brandon just said. Like, you know, it's this very hyper masculine uh, romance yeah. with a hint of like Hitch starring Will Smith and Kevin James, where like. Here's Finally, I'm trying to like. Yes. He's speaking my language, so here's, people. Here's Will Smith helping Kevin James get um yes. get the girl that he really loves. Yes. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Like that's yeah, the best yeah. way I can kind of describe it. But yeah, yeah it's know. like two very disparate figures are united by one idea of helping each other find love. Right? It's like it's like it doesn't matter how different they are; they just come together as brothers. Period. It is game it is recognizes weird. game. Like with one look, they became best friends. Yes. Yo, Which, one how, how does that work? Like they're like a mile away from each other, <laughs> and they just see each other. And they're like, he got you. Look, Cliff, don't question it. Earlier in the movie, one man fought a thousand people, and the other fought a tiger. They're just supermen. <laughs> and at some point, he fought a bear. Like, which I wish we would have saw that scene. Oh, yeah. and by the way, I, I love how you keep saying game recognizes game. So here's the thing, guys. We made that work. With no sports references. That's how powerful this film is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm the and only man. one here who probably could have made the reference, but, you know, respect. <laughs> yeah, and sure. also, now that I'm thinking about it, it's, uh, also bring it back full circle. Another reason why RRR works well, which also one reason why Quentin Tarantino's movies works also like very well. I love how he hijacked this podcast. This is now a Quentin Tarantino <laughs> episode. Yes, I, I honestly so want. I I want to see if YouTube has a video of Quentin talking about RRR. I don't know why. I'm pretty confident he's seen it. <laughs> That'd be great. But sorry, yeah. go ahead, Cliff. What's your point? No, I, I was gonna say is uh the music in this in this movie and just the musical um cues and just the arguably the syncopation of this movie. Like yes. literally, when you first start off this movie and you just hear. And just like six i'm sorry i'm getting musical nerd geek moments coming out. i'm just like you're Brilliant. in you're you are Brilliant. literally like the music sets you up for what you are about to experience it's yes. bombastic it's it's wild it's different rhythms coming together for one goal essentially i'm just like all right i'm here for this and it just doesn't stop i love that you mentioned that and you talk about the music because what makes this so fascinating is that it's all percussion. Mm-hmm. Like you barely have like the the only real hints of melody that are there is when they sing, but the but the point of the singing is to sing percussively. Mm-hmm. And majority of, yeah, I was about to say majority of, of that singing is just like a male chorus. It's just like yep. tenor and baritone. I'm just like you don't you really hear alto and soprano even like there's a little bit of like guitars in this but it's very rare in this movie just like wow yeah and it's funny because because we follow the characters and how it's edited especially towards the final number at the end which by the way the movie wasn't over until it was over right (laughs) like towards the end the fact that the the lead characters are leading that musical entourage right Mm. um it helps you continue to enjoy all that um, but yeah, man, like it's the music was great. And it's like how how interesting it is that good music is good music no matter where, no matter what. Like it doesn't have to sound like something you've heard before. Universal language through and through. When something is well done, performed, it's it's fascinating and it's there. Yeah, it's you know, and sorry. 
Continue. No, no, go, 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 go. No, I was just going to say it's incredible how powerful music is, right? Because it it transcends the language barrier. Like yep. the movie opens up and the little girl, I don't remember her name, she's, she's singing. And it's one of the most touching things because she's, first of all, she's killing that song. Like she's murdering that song. But then the heartbreak of this lady saying, yeah, that was great. I want to keep you now. And it's like, oh. And give me two quarters. Give me 50 cent. That's enough. That's how much you're worth. Awful. I, you know, they really did a fantastic job with these villains because I despise every single one of them. But back to the music, it's like, you, you don't even realize the language barrier. Because again, Nacho Nacho, I was partly joking about that being the greatest musical number of all time. But come on, the dancing. It's arguably the, up there. It, it's It's phenomenal. The dancing, the music, the lyrics... Like, if you're actually able to go back and read the lyrics, it's amazing. All of the lyrics and all of the songs are amazing because it's telling a story. Like, one of the songs during the montage is like, these two complete opposites complement each other and become best friends. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's it's those details where it's like, you, you felt that energy from the song, even though you didn't know that's what they were saying. And I just think that's why music is so great. And this movie handles it perfectly <laughs> it's almost like quentin tarantino with uh kiss kiss bang bang and kill Will volume one it sets the scene you understand what's happening i hate that he's right. <laughs> amen amen uh, what i love also what i love about apart from the fact that it's taking it's a period piece right because um a historical these, drama if you will these things yeah these things happened in one way, shape, or form, the cruelty happened, the racism happened, all this happened when the English Empire, whatever it is, British Empire, whatever they want to call themselves or used to call themselves. Um, the darn colonizers, and, that's all that matters. And side note, exactly. when I saw this last night, some there was a guy who was in the theater who was very excited. He literally seen this movie five times in theaters. Ooh. And he just screams out, he just screams out, F the British monarchy and everyone just starts clapping because this film is supposedly set like five years before Queen Elizabeth is born. And I'm just like, oh, this is this is an interesting night. <laughs> this is an interesting experience I'm having. He, he's like, I'm in an historical moment in a historical theater in a historical movie. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. That's so wild. I, I, I also love how this film also. Um, it's so of its genre that it kind of screams to the entire world hey guys we can make movies the way we make movies we don't have to be like anybody else i mean not that this is the first indie movie that's ever been made because they've been making these movies forever but what i'm trying to say is this is the first one that i've seen and i can clearly see the identity and i can appreciate the identity as a whole, but also in that in that number, was it Nama Naman? Is that the name of the number? Oh, um, Nacho Nacho. In the, the dance Nacho, Nacho. Nacho Nacho. Because mm-hmm. that's literally what that what that musical number is trying to say. Yeah, I may not know how to do a waltz, but buddy, I can do this. And it's it's like this this song of praise towards their culture and why it's valuable and why I can do what I do. And you can either keep up or you don't, it don't matter. But I'm going to have a good time. And the funny thing is, most people end up having a good time. What's 
I'm glad you mentioned that too, because I I love how it respects its culture and the type of film that it is, but it's also insanely accessible. It's on Netflix for everybody to watch, but also the type of story that it is, half the cast does speak English. So you're not reading the entirety of the three hours. There's still a number of scenes where you can actually look up for once and notice the cinematography and everything that's going on, which I think yeah. is just a subtle way of saying, yeah, this is this movie is clearly an Indian film, but we still made it somewhat accessible for for new audience members to get into this type of film. I'm really happy that you said that because I watched the movie in Spanish. <laughs> oh, please, please tell me if is it glorious? It was glorious, awesome. It? <laughs> I've only seen it once and I saw it in Spanish and it was freaking awesome. It was freaking awesome. I mean, it's your typical nice. Spanish voiceovers, of course, but it was phenomenal. This I watched it in Spanish with English subtitles and even when, and, but, but still, <laughs> But but still, but still, whenever the English um, characters spoke English, it was in English. It wasn't like so. It still keeps it still kept the identity of the film and what they're trying to do. Because you got to think that when the English speak English, or when the the natives of that country speak English, it's meant as a identifying feature. Of the time. So you can't... So keeping it in English in those moments, it's part of the story. It's part of the immersion. So if you make everything Spanish as a whole, it kind of loses. Mm-hmm. So I like the fact that they, they made... Like the main commentaries when everybody speak the traditional Telugu language, that's what they made in Spanish. But even... But all the songs are still in Telugu and all that stuff. So so it was it was great. Like the... like. We all talk about video games and accessibility features, but the accessibility features available for this film is just great. <laughs> like they like like it was built for everyone to enjoy in a way that they want to enjoy it. So I was I was actually very grateful because I watched it I watched most of it with my girlfriend. And 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 in Spanish is our first language. So, so it was it was a nice experience to enjoy that culture in a way that meant was close to us and still go what the hell's going on? It is awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I'm still surprised, though, you being the, the otaku that you are, that you decided to watch a dub. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, the funny thing is, I, I did watch a dub. I did. But uh, because I, I, I wanted to make sure that I didn't waste time reading. That's, that's, that kind of, that's kind of the reason why. And I'm actually glad that I made that choice. I'm joking because the Netflix version is a dub anyway, because it's not originally in Hindi. <laughs> no. Whoa. <laughs> now, can we talk about how this film loves their symbols? And like, like, did you guys catch that in the when the final showdown starts in the jungle? Raju shoots fire and mm-hmm. Bean comes out of the water. Well, that's how we meet them too, right? Because like he, when we yeah. first meet Raju, the flames around that fence start start swelling up. And when we first meet Beam, it's the reverse shot. The camera tilts and shows that we were looking at his reflection in the water. And they did that multiple points, which is just 
amazing. Raju was in the desert as well during that scene. Like he's in a hot place, literally. Yeah. Whereas Beam is in the jungle, is in the forest where water and you know food is easily so, available. And it's funny you say that because then the guy that he was trying to catch is the only guy with like a red shirt. So he's chasing the fire. Yeah. <laughs> Nice, bro. Or to piggyback bro, off bro, of, bro, um, bro, bro. literally, or to piggyback off of the sense of symbolism, also the third fight, next thing you know, they're symbols of deities and gods within this respective um, religion or just, uh, you know, belief. And I'm just like, wait, like literally while watching, I was like, wait, do they get powers? Like, I'm, I'm missing something. Well, you see, like, I get the water and fire, you know. But... I mean, I mean. We can assume that they're superheroes at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, like they're both they, they descendants definitely... of Kaguya. That's what happened, guys. <laughs> Literally, they mentioned that Raju was a descendant of one former king. I was like, wait, Whoa. we need a whole movie on that by itself. No, and the funny thing is that once he has, like, when he gets his superhero suit, mm-hmm. he wears that for the rest of the movie because that's, you made me find who I am. So he's supposed to be this guy with a superhero suit. Oh, and by the way, he has unlimited arrows because the quiver never loses. <laughs> Which it I think that's part. That I think that's a super. I think that's a superstar. Yeah, it's funny because he uses. Can we talk about the green arrow commentary? It was great. It was no, awesome. all I'm all I'm gonna say is these two could could definitely take down Thanos. I'm saying it right here. These two could defeat Thanos Yo. very easily. Yo. Beam alone. Put Replace Beam with Hulk in Infinity War in the beginning of that movie? Oh. Bro. Everyone's getting snapped at that point. Bro. Nothing's happening. Yo, throw him some green powder. Down is going down like a jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. This is awesome. So good. So good. It's, you know, this is just a fun movie. Um, it's... It's. I'm. I'm glad we we're covering it. First off, I'm glad you and Isaac actually watched it because I was afraid this was going to sit on the list and never get crossed off. But I'm glad we're able to spotlight foreign cinema, right? Because like Cliff was saying at the top, it's one of my favorite films in the of of the year. I don't know if it's going to make any noise during award season, so I'm hoping it doesn't just leave the U.S. Oh. consciousness because it's making bank. In in India, but here I hope it's not forgotten anytime soon because I can so see good. this getting at least nominated for best foreign movie, considering what uh, noise it made overseas. Hopefully, I really hope so. Be- and and also and also, I mean, it's it's because here's the thing though, whether you accept it for what it is, it's a damn well made film. Yeah, like like. You can't see the wires. No. Um, what I mean is, like, everything is well done. The editing is on point. The effects are on point. Like, the music is on point. The sound editing is great. Um, do you have to leave your brain outside the theater? Maybe. But it's what a film is meant to be. A good time. It's a great time at the movies. Like, just do what Bong Joon-ho said. Like, if you get past that small barrier of subtitles, you will be amazed. Like, buddy. Where's the <laughs> Exactly. Yes sir. yes, sir. As someone yes, that sir. constantly re- read subtitles, no comment. 
Isaac, if you have no comment to make, you don't have to tell us. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> well, guys, do you have any more thoughts on the amazingness of RRR? I mean, I am curious to see, like, what are your guys' favorite moment? Like, what's your favorite moment in this movie? It's a lot, but, like, what was that moment in the theater where you just, like, yeah, I am on board for anything after this. Like, what was that for you? Isaac, I command you to speak. Catching the tiger. <laughs> oh, in the beginning? When he's holding the things? <laughs> yes. Nice. Cool. Mike. Ooh. I think it's, it's when Raji just decides. The guy says, go get him. He's just like, all right. I'm just going to go Super Saiyan and fight this horde of a thousand... A thousand people. But what I love is the indicator of that one man wearing red. It is the most video game quest thing. Like, you know when you play in Batman and the Riddler thug is glowing green? That's essentially what that scene is. And it is just so ridiculous, but awesome. And it's just it's just crazy to me because a lot of people have a hard time suspending their disbelief like a lot of critics for this movie talk about how they can't suspend their disbelief for this movie and something that cliff said earlier is like they're superheroes if we can believe that iron man can fly or that krypton existed and they sent their baby to earth why can't i believe that this man took on a thousand people (laughs) he's just he's just a superhero i don't have to question it the end or if we can dumb. believe it in terms of like martial arts movies, like the raid, the raid uh, two police right. story, where there's scenes where one guy's taking on twenty people. Old oh boy, it's like how can you not do it here? It's literally the it same man. concept. Like, yeah, whole trilogy again about uh, grown-ups having a hard time, hard time uh, understanding that kids just oh, it's just the fantasy. Moving on. I mean, nope. I get that, but also, grown-ups still complain. I mean, I guess I'll take it back. Because the Little Mermaid, grown-ups can't suspend their disbelief with that either, so... Forget oh. it. Grown-ups are stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe but, that's what it is in relation but it's to funny, Little But Mermaid. it's funny that you say this, Point. but when I look at Google and I look at stats, 93% of Google users like this movie. It has an 8 out of 10 on IMDb, and it has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, you see, Brandon, if you wanted me to just call out John Campia directly, I would have done it. You didn't have to come back with the numbers, man. <laughs> but, but, Wait, but here's the thing. Nobody cares about John Campia has to say because <laughs> it's just another white guy. So, um, Dude, got him. I'm sorry. The last couple of weeks, that's for sure. I, I mean, you got you got to put it this way. I, I, I can't. There's, there's, I, I, I kind of apologize for the comment, but at the same time, he does it to himself. I'm just seeing, I'm just saying what I'm seeing. <laughs> but <laughs> not all white guys are bad. Um, sorry. No so comment. no comment. Back, <laughs> back to the action. Okay, so my favorite scene, like there's a lot of little scenes that I love throughout. Um. But I, I gotta, I gotta go with, with Indian Voltron. Like that whole, 
piggyback throughout the whole the way they the scaled up the tower. No, 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 no. That's not even it. Like that was phenomenal. It's not even that. The fact that he has two rifles, and as he shoots, he lowers his arm, and Beam just does the reload for him, and then he just can shoot again. Of course, we never reload them, but that's fine. Don't matter. It's Indian freaking Voltron. Like, it's just perfection. I love how it starts. <laughs> to just... Okay, I don't know how y'all two learn this communication, but whatever. Well, you see... No, it's about to be somewhere. It is again, and I'm going to stress it, game recognizing game. When they first meet, Raju's on the bridge, Beam's on the ground, and he just does this. And he just knows, I'm going to get on the motorcycle. I'm going to grab the rope. I'm going to grab the flag. We're going to loop around <laughs> and catch Raju's the kid. The time, you, here, me, here. Yeah. Come back. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So ridiculous! I love this movie so oh. much, y'all. <laughs> that's actually my favorite moment of that. Like that got me on board. That's, I mean, that's, that's the moment. Yeah, Raju's like introduction is when I first was like, "Wait, what's happening?" I hold on, pause. Let me actually sit up for this. Like, I need to pay attention. But then once these two finally meet and they do that whole thing, and like you, like I didn't realize like, oh, he's using the flag to cover beam, so he doesn't get any like third degree burns from this and whatnot. I'm like, okay. It's it's the one yeah. time they reference them being human. Just think about it. He gets whipped. He gets sliced up by a tiger. Mm. But flames? No, sir. We've got to make sure we protect the guy. That's the first time we see the motif of them on the bike and the horse. Yes. Before we see it again in the rest of the movie. It's just like, all right. I see what you're doing here. I like this. This is fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. This movie's great. Um, Anything else, guys? I'm good. It's it's just going to be another hour of me talking about how great this movie is, which some people might like that, re- but you know. Mm-hmm. And and about game recognizing game. I mean, dude, yes, let me ask this one question. Uh, it probably won't happen, but would you guys like? Do you think we could potentially ever see this on a Blu-ray like release? Maybe not in like the next year or five years but at some point in the future like do you think because of how popular this film is and once people realize oh we could actually make some money on distributing this uh film internationally do you think there could be a blu-ray release for it i don't see i mean i mean anything's possible i think the biggest thing is i I wouldn't be surprised you can get a blu-ray i just hope that we can well like you said distribute the distribution because yeah. different, the, the, it's it's getting that Blu-ray with the region unlocked for us. That's the biggest thing. Because we know that this is selling. It's going to sell over there um, where it was made. You know what I mean? It's going to sell. People are going to buy it. They're going to keep it. You know what I mean? Um, hopefully, yeah. I actually hope that happens. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a big physical media person. Um, even though that's against every, what everybody believes. Shame. <laughs> but... But, um, like, what I really, really, really love, that's what I buy physical. Like, a lot of the, it's funny, a lot of the books that I have are books that I've already read and I love. <laughs> that's As it um, should be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but most of the stuff, but yeah, I, I really hope that that becomes possible. I'm going to say I, yes and no, 
Um, because on one hand, yeah, it would make sense for somebody to to release it worldwide, but also Netflix paid a pretty penny to get this movie exclusively on Netflix, and they might prevent that from happening. That's just a fair. thing to keep in mind too. Fair, fair. Yeah, very fair. I was because I was just thinking. I was like, this is on Netflix. I haven't seen what um, viewers in other countries. Um, and what their reactions are, you know, I haven't seen like what the uh, Europe uh, responses are, or, like what viewers in Japan think, blah blah, et cetera, et cetera. But if it were to ever happen, I would definitely buy this on the Blu-ray, like to me fully. What what I want everybody uh, listening, and what I want you guys to do is Google reactions or type in like RRR reactions, theater reactions on YouTube, and watch the theaters freak out. It is so amazing. <laughs> By the way, when you speak about Netflix paying cash, for example, did, uh, don't they release? Didn't they release Daredevil for after a while? They did, but that's also their own IP, so I don't know if they treat that differently. Also, it was I know their own IP? They are... Was also being the, the operative term here? Yeah, it's that's so, also uh, cheaper yeah, than our. Exclusivity with Violet Evergarden, and I own that series physically. So, okay. Well, we'll see. That's also anime. I don't know if the rules are different because, like, yeah, One Piece is on yeah, Netflix, yeah. but uh, I don't know. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I and I, I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong. I'm just saying we'll have to see because I don't know if the same rules apply there. Is all. Fair point. It's a different market too. Like, yeah. like, I think the relationship between the West and Japan and main and many of these anime distributing companies, it's a lot more linear or a lot more. There's a lot less red tape, I would say, mainly because you got to think about it. Sony is a Japanese, mainly a Japanese company, and Sony now owns Crunchyroll, so you have that. Um, Netflix is is a U.S. company, but they have deals with everyone all over the world because they want to appease to everyone in the world because Netflix is everywhere in the world. So um, it really depends on what market they want to reach. But also the fact that Netflix has become, even if if even understanding the value of physical media, I also I do want to make I, w- I do want to highlight the fact that Netflix has become this hub for intercultural interaction that's been just that's just phenomenal and like no matter what people say that oh netflix has to do something and figure out the fact that they don't have original ip that they have to come up with their own stuff like yeah that's cool that's important but what netflix is doing with bringing all these cultures from all over the world together nobody else is doing like that is literally that is unique to Netflix. And they just need to become the house of international properties. Like that's all they have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, because you get it. They're getting revenue from everywhere. Do they lose money all the time on subscriptions? Yeah. Should we stop sharing subscriptions? I'm not gonna talk about that, but the reality <laughs> is, but the reality is that Netflix has become this hub of so much amazing content. Do you think that Netflix has the distribution rights for the full metal Alchemist movies? No matter what people think about it, they have the distribution rights to the Bleach movie. They're probably they have the distribution rights because they're making One Piece live action. Like, like 
and also they have all like the North. What is it? What what was it called? The there's this um, North mythology show that, that that's that's on Netflix. It's supposed to be very good. Um, that is, I think it's based is Icelandic. No, 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 no. It's it's live action. It's it's um. It's, oh, oh, oh! I that's supposed to, that's sure. that's supposed to be very popular. Like they they have. They they have given a lot of these creators from everywhere act um, a, a a hub a place to present their stuff, and people from all over the world are watching it. So it's not just the fact that people from Europe are making content for their own people. It's like they're now able to use Netflix to present their art to everywhere. Yeah. So that's about the Norse show, uh, Ragnarok. Is it called that? Um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it yeah, yeah, I think, I think that might be it, but yeah, there's yeah. a lot of, I, I love the fact that Netflix become that hub, which, which, okay. which to me, I know it's a very, a lot of people think differently. I value that more than, than, than I value Netflix doing that. Even if I don't get like the physical media on it, like, I love the fact that I see all these different options of content that constantly grow and it's I don't know it's awesome I I agree I'm with you 100% that's one of the reasons I am constantly keeping Netflix because I'm like between the K-dramas the Japanese shows the French shows like Lupin the Nigerian Lupin. shows that are on there like Bro. they just have so many shows that are from international um yeah places that I'm just like this is what like I don't care if they ever make like shows in America anymore like I don't I have they have plenty of stuff from other countries that can keep me satisfied and keep me interested and keep me paying money to use this app. And I love that. I value that a lot. I love that you say that Cliff, because even still we we get stranger things. We get the Sandman. We get Cobra Kai. We're going to get one piece. We're going to get Avatar the last airbender. We still have the Witcher. (laughs) You know, we still, we have, even if they release two to three shows a year, that's still enough to say, Hey, we're still doing our own thing. But in the meantime, we're going to take you on a tour around the world. We're going to stop yep. in India. We're going to stop in we're going to stop in Japan. Yep. We're going to stop in the UK. <laughs> you know, yep. and that's that's what's really cool about Netflix, I agree. And it covers every genre. Like there's literally like you can even watch um Indian and Japanese dating shows if you're into that. Like it's there. Like it's literally a hub for whatever you're looking for. You just have yep. to search and take the time and just read yep. Yep. uh the captions. Yeah. It, it, it's sure. become your local international public library well said of content of content it's it's great and by the way cliff um you're on the hook now because the fact that i know that you've seen lupin boy we gotta talk about that (laughs) that shows fire (laughs) i actually haven't watched yet it's literally on my list of things to watch next like i'm literally starting If you give me like um if you give me like a month, I'll probably have watched the entire show. Why hey man, it's all good. We're still waiting on season three, so it's all good, bro. The clock starts good. now, Cliff. <laughs> as soon as I log off. All right. No, Lu- 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 Lupin, Lupin is no. If if any if nobody's seen Lupin, apart from the fact that Omar Sy is one of the one of the best actors of our generation. Um, not our, you know what I mean? Like for from for for the last fifteen to like he's great in everything that I've seen him in. Um, the fact that he plays this particular version of 
of someone inspired by Arsene Lupin, it's it's great. It's great. Um, go watch Lupin. Go watch RRR. It's awesome. It's amazing. Go watch Quentin Tarantino films. Damn it. Go watch Reservoir Dogs. Go watch Django Unchained. Go watch another indie film. Go watch things. Damn it. Okay. If you no, don't I'm even gonna... watch a Tarantino movie in your entire life, just listen to Quentin Tarantino talk about films. Like he is one of the like I I'm gonna be controversial. I am not a Tarantino fan, but the way his mind works, you get it. Regardless what you think of his movies. It's like this guy understands cinema in a way that I only wish I could. <laughs> and it's amazing. And for com and for comments like that, that's why we keep Mike around. Because <laughs> he brings the truth, damn it. <laughs> Drop yeah, because I was just gonna say just read one of his scripts and see how he details the scenes. It's like, it's insane, honestly. It sounds like we have to do a, a, we have to do a shatter. We got to do a take on a Tarantino film, apparently. Yeah, we'll do that. And we got, and we got to bring Cliff back. It's going to happen. I'm down. I just got to watch the hateful eight and I'm all set up. Buddy. I'm literally good to go. That might be my favorite. Honestly. (laughs) Wow. I've heard a great thing. The Netflix version. Or the original version. I'm doing the extended versions. I haven't seen the Netflix or extended versions. I saw the theatrical. Cool. Cool. So, guys, I think we've done it. We've talked. We've chattered about um, RRR. It's been an awesome time. Cliff, big pleasure having you here and having an awesome conversation with y'all. If people were trying to find you, my friend, where can people find you? Uh, you can pretty much find me on Twitter. Uh, the handle is the same as you see in this video. Uh, you can also find me at uh, the Splash Podcast on YouTube. We got a lot of things coming up. Uh, we got some She-Hulk stuff. You know, we got some comic book stuff. We got to do Cobra Kai as well. Like, we just got so many things. You know, it's coming. But yeah, that's pretty much all the socials I'm that I'm available on. Ooh. Isaac Wolf, where can people find you? Well, you can find over at Kittle Them Entertainment, you can find me over at Emblemaniac on Twitter, and you can find a pod over at Amateur Taco Pod, which we are on all the podcast feeds except Podbean, and uh, as well as we are on YouTube. And we are also trying to restart our focus on Instagram. Great. Sweet. Mike, um, where can people find you, and what's coming up on the chatter after, my friend? You can find me... If you're watching on the YouTube feed right here, youtube.com slash novicinephile, uh, novicinephile on Twitter, the novicinephile on Instagram. Um, and for the podcast, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff going on, so much so I don't know which order these episodes are going to be released in anymore. So you might have got an episode on Moon Knight. You might not have. It's coming up regardless. You might get an episode <laughs> on The Sandman. Or it already came out. I don't know. Regardless of that, <laughs> stay tuned. Are we doing That's real. Are we That's doing very honest. Hey, I'm just saying. Stay tuned. There's a lot of fun stuff happening. Um, and it might be the new year. It might be 2023 by the time we get this episode. We're that back I up. can't wait for y'all Avatar videos when that show drops. Like... I am Yo. ready to sit, <laughs> like, and just listen to you guys talk about that. I'm, like, I can't wait for that. Speaking of yeah, which. That's going to be awesome. One more thing to plug. Avatar The Last Airbender. Film Optics, I had the pleasure of covering all three seasons. We have completed Beautiful. that. 
So check out Christian's podcast, Film Optics, with an X. It's not where you think, but it's going to be wherever you get your podcasts. That's all I got. Back to you, bro. And you can find me at the Scarlet Fan 52 on Twitter and at the Scarlet Fan 52 on Instagram. We also co-host the Amateur Talk Podcast, where we talk everything anime and manga. Um, we're covering My Hero Academia. We're excited about the new season of My Dress Up Darling. Um, we're also yeah. excited for October fall season. There's so much stuff going on. We have no idea how we're going to cover it all, but we're going to do it, damn it. You probably already <laughs> that's what we do. the time you get this. <laughs> probably. Um, but also we're planning a lot of stuff for October. Uh, we're, we're looking for different films. We're looking into doing Constantine after the sequel is announced for, for Halloween. And we're also planning on doing Train to Busan, which is another foreign amazing horror film. Um, we're very excited to talk about that as well. Um, and we are still trying to stay on schedule, giving you guys a take every two weeks to give you guys awesome movies to talk about, awesome movies to discuss. Um, because we love talking about movies. That's what we do. And remember, there's always people to shatter with. If you want to shatter with us, look us up at the shatter after on Twitter. Um, and if there's any movies or thoughts that you want to share on this film, let us know on the comments below. And we will see you next time. Keep watching movies and stay awesome. Peace. Dumb, dumb, dumb.